What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. And we are joined once again by David Cobb of CBS Sports. And we're talking the big one, Clemson and Georgia, week one, top five matchup. This is the game that all eyes will be on come 7.30 p.m. this Saturday. So we had to bring in one of the experts. David, welcome back to the Extra Point. We're glad to have you. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, yeah, appreciate the uh, the opportunity to, to to come on the pod again. I was a little disappointed y'all didn't invite me on to uh, to ham it up about the Corky Kell Classic, uh, but I enjoyed I enjoyed y'all's recap. That was that was a, a good time. I'm glad we got to go out there and get some of that action. We did get to enjoy that with David. We man, we should have invited you on. Well, here's the thing: you, that's high school football. This is college football. This is this where you, this is your lane, right? College football expert. <laughs> right. That's expert. right. So. Let's dive in. We've prepared some questions about this game, and we just want to take a deeper dive. This is a unique matchup. Uh, 2017 was the last time we had a top five matchup in week one, and it was in the it, – excuse me, it was not in the same stadium. I almost thought this game was being played in Atlanta for a second. This game's in Charlotte. <laughs> Duke's Mayo kickoff. And Clemson's taking on Georgia. Clemson at three. Georgia at five. So, David, what's what's maybe something about this game people aren't talking about? I feel like DJU – you know, and JT Daniels, a big conversation, the coach right. battle. What's something people aren't talking about in this game? Well, hey, if you want to jump straight into the re- uh, into the weeds right out of the gate, uh, something that's not being talked about in this game is uh, the disparity in special teams. I mean, you're talking about a game that Vegas has as, what, you know, three and a half right now, um, something that very easily could come down to a field goal. Well, I mean, if you go back and look over the last five to six years, I think Georgia's special teams unit is, is a better unit than Clemson's. I mean – I've got Phil Steele open here, and he rates special teams units, you know, by year, right? And so, I mean, the average special team ranking for Clemson over the last six years is something in the in the neighborhood of 80 to 85, you know? And then you got, wow. you got uh, Georgia um, ranked number seven last year, and he projects that their special teams unit will be just as strong, if not stronger. So, to me, that that's a glaring uh, – in terms of under-discussed storylines, that's, that's a glaring one uh, because we're not going to sit here and – and break down, you know, uh, kickers. Like, nobody wants to hear that. But if you're actually talking about picking this game uh, and you're talking about a one-possession game, you know, coming down to the wire, uh, I think history shows that you'd rather have Georgia's special teams unit than Clemson's. Do you think that, that – that's a very interesting point. I, I didn't really think about that angle of it. Uh, do you think that that kind of is more to do about recruiting or do you think that's more about coaching or – you know, I mean, everything's kind of a mixture of both. What would you lean? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would say that when you play in the SEC, this is this is kind of a guess just on the off the cuff. But like, when you're in the SEC, you need every conceivable advantage maxed out to the nth degree, you know, to to win on a given Saturday. Clemson hasn't had to necessarily go to the far extremes to maximize and squeeze out every last ounce of, of the ketchup bottle, so to speak. You know which is kind of what, what special teams is. I mean, to, to right. a degree, I know there have been programs that have, you know, made their mark in that, in that phase of the game and it's kind of helped carry them to that next level. But uh, Clemson hasn't really needed to uh, extract every ounce from special teams to get where they wanted to go. That would be what I would say. Um, I'm sure if you go and ask Dabo, he'll tell you and talk your ear off about how important it is. And, you know, I have no doubt about that, but you know, really how much time are you spending on it in practice? So, I don't know. Uh, you know, and then the other thing too, I know Georgia's got a, a history of um, kind of making the kickers prove it in terms of getting the scholarship. Like 
obviously the Rodrigo Blankenship saga. Right. I don't know where Clemson stands on that and using scholarships on guys who are primarily going to be used on special teams. Um, you know, Georgia makes their guys prove it, but they still tend to be pretty good in that phase of the game. So it that, just happened again. Jack Pudlesny, he just earned a scholarship. So yeah, um, Georgia's kicker just did that. So interesting. Um, what do you think? Um, I guess just more or less your your opinion, what you're looking forward to the most. What's your uh, matchup that you're most looking forward to watch? Uh, you know, so I, it, it's cliche, but going from something way in the weeds with, with special teams back to sort of like the mainstream. Right. Uh, I, I mean, quarterbacks like uh, JT Daniels versus DJ Uyunga Ole. You know, I mean, it's kind of, uh, it, I think when we look back at the end of this season, we, in addition to having watched two top five teams play in week one, we'll probably be realizing that we watched two top five quarterbacks go up against each other. And the opportunity is to watch that sort of, of a meeting are, you know, pretty rare. Um, so I don't think there's any guarantee that Alabama and Bryce Young, I don't think there's any guarantee that he ends up being a, a top five quarterback in his first year as a starter. Same for Ohio State and C.J. Stroud. So even if those teams make the playoff, you know, I still think there's a pretty good chance that, you know, I might even venture to say that these could end up being the two best quarterbacks in the country, um, you know, if the cards shake out in a, in a certain way. So to me, that's in this era of college football where there's a lot of airing it out, you know, there's a good chance that on a given Saturday, you know, every quarterback's going to throw the ball upwards of 30 times. Like that's a huge battle. Uh, so you know, it's there's there's any number of ways to dive into that one, but obviously, like that's that's a huge part of this game. I have a couple I'm excited to watch. So, number one, it's a couple of like uh, Darion Kendrick going up against back up against Clemson, right. right? That'll be fun. These are guys that he's that he's practiced against. Um, it's his former team. That's a, that's fun to see. It'll be it, you know, is his energy going to be way up? Is he going to be too emotional with it? Is he going to have a level head? And use it to his advantage. On the other side, you've got two really good defensive linemen from the state of Georgia playing on Clemson's defensive line in Brian Bersie and Miles Murphy. And so cool to see these kids were living in Georgia a year and a half ago. And now they're getting to play up against the home state and a huge game like this. So two fun player matchups. I'm really looking forward to watching. Uh, David, this is the top five matchup. Both of these teams can win this game. There's pass to victory for both teams. Clemson what is the path of victory for the Clemson Tigers in this game yeah I mean I think it's it's their wide receivers being special right out of the gate um, obviously there's a little bit of uncertainty there because of what they replaced I mean obviously Amari Rogers being a you know a huge guy for them last year um, yeah so we all want to see Justin Ross back to what he was before he got hurt right like maybe maybe Jordan fans don't but I mean, it would be maybe later in the season. Georgia fans would prefer it to happen. <laughs> right. well, and that's exactly that's exactly what it comes down to for me. Is do I actually believe that Justin Ross is going to go out there and be elite in the first game of the season against a really good opponent? I've got my doubts about it. But that to me is Clemson's path to victory: is them uh, beating up a little bit on a Georgia secondary that really needed to improve. Um, you know, in a Georgia secondary, as you mentioned, Jacob, that has a guy in uh, Darion Kendrick who, who knows these guys pretty well, who he's going to be going up against. So, I mean, you look at 
you know, Clemson's wide receiver room. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of upside there. I mean, uh, people are singing the praises of uh, Joseph Ngata, saying he's going to be big time this year. Uh, Fred and Cladson Jr., I think, has some, like, real breakout potential. And you get Ross back. Um, I, I, that's a lot of talent. But to me, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered by those guys. And so, hey, if they answer them emphatically right out of the gate, that's Clemson's path to victory in my mind because I think they could put up a big number in this game uh, if those wide receivers are, are kind of at an elite level right away. But, you know, do I really believe that they will be? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I just – I see that as being Clemson's path to victory, them airing it out and, you know, having a couple of guys who, who go over 100 yards receiving and uh, just, you know, really win the explosive play battle. Well, that makes sense because it's, you know, you mentioned not only where that would be – important for Georgia, but, you know, Georgia, it's a high turnover position. So while they may have replaced, you know, we pencil, you know, pencil in guys like uh, Darion Kendrick into Georgia's starting lineup and say, Hey, you know, he was a starter at Clemson. He's going to be a starter at Georgia and be just fine. Or, um, you know, Tyke Smith, he's going to be out for this game, but, you know, he was a transfer from West Virginia. Georgia still had a high turnover rate as far as, you know, they had seven guys leave the program last year, five to the draft to the transfer and then they brought in some guys. So they're not devoid of talent, but, you know, I guess you probably agree that the secondary is very similar to offensive line where you have to play together and have some sort of chemistry. So that could be a vulnerability for the Bulldogs. Exactly. Like I look at, at the, the notes like that I've compiled on Georgia and going through the preseason publications, like secondary is the one position that is consistently not ranked among the nation's best, mm. you know, and, and that's not to say it couldn't be good, but if there's a, if there's a place to exploit Georgia, that's probably it. Yeah. What, what about Georgia? So what's Georgia's path to victory on the other side of that? Uh, you, the same matchup? <laughs> you guys who no, no, actually, uh, <laughs> You guys who are yearning for this uh, new era of Todd Mock and modernizing the, the Georgia offense might be disappointed to hear this, but I actually <laughs> think that Georgia's path is a good old-fashioned, like, SEC beatdown. <laughs> like, hey, we've got more five-star guys, you know, on our front line. and I mean, the tally of four- and five-star guys that Georgia has on its offensive line is pretty significant. The, the stable of running backs that Georgia has is just obscene. I mean, you know, obviously Zamir White, but you go down the list with, you know, uh, Kendall Milton and so on. It's just, you know, we could be here for hours, James Cook, if we wanted to name all of them. So you look at Clemson uh, in their loss to Ohio State, and I'll pull up the box score just to make sure I get the numbers right. Uh, but Trey Sermon, 31 rushes, 193 yards, uh, right? So that to me right there, uh, speaks volumes about where Clemson's vulnerabilities are. And I know this is a new year and a new team, uh, but they do bring back a ton of guys on that defense who played in that game. Um, and I think Georgia might be just as strong in those in that facet of the game as Ohio State was in a game that, you know, really wasn't that close. So, yeah, I think – you know, Mocken's going to have to open it up if they want to win the national title, but I don't know that he's got to go out there and, and be some sort of, uh, you know, magician right out of the gate. I think they could win this game, you know, good old-fashioned SEC beatdown style. So my – both of my, X, you know, X-factor path to win is which team's going to run the ball better. 
like I, I debated about the whole like secondary thing and same thing for, you know, Clemson wide receivers. Are they going to stand up? Georgia's wide receivers have been banged up. Are they going to be healthy and ready to go in week one? Um, for me, it's the line of scrimmage. Like two things we know for sure. This will probably be the best two defensive lines you're going to see in the country all season. And they get to play week one. <laughs> and But the thing is, the defensive lines aren't playing each other. They're playing up against offensive lines. Clemson, they've had a mediocre offensive line even in this amazing run. And it's because they've been bailed out by really good quarterbacks. I mean, when you've got Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, you know, both generational talents, a quarterback, they can bail you out by getting the ball out quickly or scrambling and getting yards. And Trevor underrated the like his legs were unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. Clemson's offensive DJ, line. DJ does not necessarily bring that to the table. No. And you know, people will point to the Boston College game. He had that that rushing touchdown, but he he is not like Trevor in that facet of just getting out of it, getting the ball out. He's more of a power rusher, like a designed running play. But yeah, for me, whatever team runs the ball, the best is going to win this football game. And that and that really comes down to can Georgia's offensive line get a push on Clemson's defensive line during the game, and can Clemson's offensive line get a push on Georgia's defensive line during the game? Because both defenses have so much faith in this defensive line that they're going to just send four or three and sit back. It's the same thing that Notre Dame did to Clemson last season when they beat them was, we'll let you throw for 400 yards, but you're not going to run the ball. And they were able to beat Clemson in that way. Can I promise you one thing? Here's here's your lock of the week right here, okay? Neither quarterback will have positive rushing yards in this game. (laughs) Both these defensive lines are too good. There will be sacks. Neither one of them are running. I think I disagree a little bit about DJ. I do think he's a good runner. I agree with what you're saying, Jacob, as far as him being a, a power runner and it being, you know, it was more of that one game sample where we saw him kind of cut it loose against Boston College. What I'm going to say is Clemson simply not going to be willing to let him run because they don't have a scholarship backup quarterback. So they're not going to allow him to run. Um, they're not going to design run plays. They're going to try to protect him, keep him in the pocket and get the ball to the backs and get the ball out of his hands. Cause that's how they preserve their way. You know, you don't win by putting your quarterback in danger anyways. I'm not saying that other teams do this, but you have a very short leash on somebody who doesn't have a, not only, um, you know, a close backup or a capable backup, competent backup, you don't have a scholarship backup. So that's where I look at, you know, Georgia might be willing, might be willing to let JT Daniels run, but Maybe. that's not, that's not going to be a path to victory for the dogs. So I think that they definitely are going to keep him in the pocket and yeah, they've got some moving parts on this offensive line. So I do think that they'll give up some sacks as well. So let me pose this hypothetical to you. All right. So, so JT gets out of the pocket on third down, he's scrambling for the sticks and he, uh, he falls down awkwardly. They got to check out his knee. Who are you guys putting in the game for, for Georgia at quarterback in that situation? Well, it's if it's fourth down, then we're going to bring the Georgia's <laughs> going to bring in the punter and they're going to punt the ball. You should ask. If it's a uh, no, if it's if it's just a one a one play, I if you'd asked me this six weeks ago, I would have said without a doubt it's Stetson Bennett because it's one play. And I think that he has been in games and they have shown before that they're not worried about him coming in. And, but I think 
I think that truly through camp, from what I've read, it seems like Carson Beck has made his move and has taken the spot. So he's the number two quarterback. So I don't know what you're telling him if he comes off and you don't bring in. Because if you're just going to run the ball or you're just going to do something anyways, Carson can hand the ball off at that point. So I I would think Carson Beck is coming in. Brock Vandegrift's too busy modeling for onward reserve to, to be in the mix or what? Yeah, he's – I think he's more of a towards the end of the game or towards the end of the year. Um, they want to get him some game time from what I from what I understand. The the one thing I've read is that um, on 24-7 sports, what I've read um, is that they're expecting at some point for him to have some sort of a, a package of plays that he has – where if they do use him during an actual game that's still in balance, he's got he's the most athletic quarterback that they have. So he ran for like 800 and something yards last year in high school. Um, he's he's kind of got that little athletic ability, but you know I don't know I I just don't yeah. know if that's something that Georgia's really you know if it's an advantage that they want to take advantage of I, I get it, but yeah if he's in the game against Clemson something's gone wrong. I'd be very I'd be very surprised. <laughs> Something's gone very wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've talked some X factors. We've talked quarterback, wide receiver matchups, line matchups. Dave, we we're going to make our pick later this week. We need a pick. How's this game going to play out? Who's going to win? How does this go down Saturday night? Yeah. So I see it playing out. Um, you know, I, I get the feeling something tells me I, I might be in lockstep with you guys here, not by design, but but genuinely because this is what I believe. Uh, I see 31-28 Georgia, and uh, so that's a, you know, uh, they're, they're dogs, um, no pun intended, but I see the dogs uh, thriving as underdogs, and, and I really, what I did is I went through sort of like old school, just position by position and laid out the matchups, and I see the defenses as more or less being even, maybe Clemson's got a slight edge on the back end uh, with just the experience they have in the secondary uh, but I, I think I see Georgia having an edge offensively and not necessarily in the way I see it playing out for the entire season. But like I mentioned earlier, with the uncertainty about where Clemson's receivers are, I just think that right now a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, which are, in my opinion, the three most critical positions for you know high-level success in college football today, I think Georgia – has the edge or at least at quarterback and wide receiver, maybe at receiver and tight end. It's even uh, when you talk about Georgia being a little bit banged up right there at the, at the moment. But uh, I think JT Daniels experience gives him an edge over DJU. I think the, the deep well of running backs gives Georgia an edge over Lynn J Dixon uh, and Will Shipley, you know, not to say that Will Shipley won't be a great player by the end of the season and that if they rematch in the, in the playoff, that maybe is something, you know, it's, it's a different type of game. But as things stand now going into week one, I think Georgia's got an edge on the offensive side of the ball. And so um, I, th- I think that's, to me, why I see them winning the game. You mentioned a rematch in the playoff. I saw your playoff on, on CBSSports.com recently. Is that happening? Semifinal of yeah, Clemson no, and Georgia? Yeah, not. Oh, I've got Clemson as my first team out. And it's hard to put my finger on exactly why. Um, and I've listened to y'all's playoff picks as well. Um, y'all are pretty bullish on Miami, which I, I respect. <laughs> I, I like that y'all are y'all are making a, making a take there, taking a stand. Um, I, I can't really put my finger on it with Clemson. I think I was just sort of – not all that impressed with them last year. They got a generational quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. 
They had a an excellent running back in Travis Etienne. Um, and they didn't really overwhelm me. They didn't really impress me all that much. And now they're replacing Etienne. They're replacing uh, Trevor Lawrence. They're replacing their leading returning uh, receiver in Amari Rodgers. So I, it's just I, I don't know. I just have more questions about Clemson. And at this point, under Dabo, maybe I shouldn't. But when you're talking about Georgia and Oklahoma kind of finally, you know, being there and maybe arriving, I think Clemson may be the, the team that gets left out. Well, kind of bringing it back to to this game, I did. You mentioned Dabo. That's a question that I've just kind of wondered because you're, you know, a national, you know, national media guy, um, kind of outside looking in. I know that you have, you know, SEC's been in your blood because that's where you've, you're from. But I'm curious if what's your perception of the coaching matchup? Is it very obvious to you that Clemson has better coaches? Because I would argue that. The national media would probably, from from what I've understood, most of the national media would lean Clemson because of Venables being there for so long, the offensive coaches. Obviously, then you've got just Dabo and his experience and being there for so long and a lot of in-game coaching, I guess, issues for Kirby. Um, I think that people might, might circle those and say, hey, if there's an in-game situation, I trust Dabo over Kirby. Are you in that camp as well, or do you think it's a little more even or other way? Yeah, I had a column here, you know, in addition to the positions, I also had special teams and coaching listed out. And coaching, I I gave to Clemson for all the reasons you just mentioned. I mean, that's – you explained it very, very well. The uh, the experience factor there, the continuity of that staff, uh, and just the – a shaky track record, I guess, in, in big big games for Kirby. It's not like he's never won a big game, but we all know kind of where things have been. So I don't really think I need to explain that a whole lot because, yeah, it'd be Dabo gets the benefit of the doubt. And when we do our coach rankings every year, it's Nick Saban one, Dabo Sweeney two. I mean, and there's nothing to say that that Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day or Kirby Smart couldn't make some progress on those guys this season. But right now it's one, two, Saban, Dabo, and until proven otherwise, I think that that gap is fairly large. And if it plays out like like we're predicting this year and Georgia makes the playoff and Clemson doesn't, that gap shrinks. And maybe next year some guys have Kirby at two and Dabo at three. But uh, at this point, the body of work is, is just so much more substantial for Dabo. So David's got Georgia 31, Clemson 28. For this Saturday night, you can follow him on Twitter at David W. Cobb, and you can read all his stuff on CBSSports.com. You can follow Daniel on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. That will do it for this edition of the Extra Point. He is Daniel. He is David. I am Jacob. See you.